Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Last week we kicked off a series called The Blessed Life, uh, where we've been talking about uh, living a life of generosity. And I shared with you last week that uh, so much of the teaching in this series uh, comes from this book called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. Uh, pastors a church in Texas, and like every church in Texas, it's got like 5,800,000 people in it. So it's just what happens in Texas, right? Everything's bigger in Texas, you know? Anyway, um, it's cool, whatever. Uh, it's all right. But uh, I read this book uh, a, little, a year and a half, maybe a little more than a year and a half ago, and it really just rocked my world in the area of generosity and how I thought about it, and it challenged some of my, uh, some of my hang-ups about uh, giving and, and encouraging people to walk in that life. And so uh, we've, we're taking a few weeks here before we get into uh, summer uh, to, just, to just spend some time talking about what the Lord wants to do in our lives through generosity. Uh, we don't have a, a video for you yet, but I'm super excited about Father's Day. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. We're doing a baby dedication, and we're kicking off a series. This summer, we're going to go through, this is totally off the cuff. I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, we're going to go through Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm in the whole Bible, right? Uh, everybody seems like they know Psalm 23. We're going to go through it verse at a time, and I think it's just going to be really, really good. And I mention that because... That's what I've been doing this week, just studying and getting into that. But we're not there yet. We've got some weeks of the blessed life to go. And so because we're talking about finances, I want to do this. How many of you, when you were in school, or maybe you're still in school, maybe you're in college right now, or maybe you're taking classes and, and, and working in your career at the same time, but how many of you were good at math? How many of you are like, you're good, you're good with numbers, like you're just good, like you don't have to even get a calculator, you don't even use the calculator app on your phone, you just got it, right, like raise your hand again, you're good at, at math, okay, cool, um, we're talking about finances, and so we're talking about math, um, how many of you, when, when we're talking about your finances, in, in your bank account, you've seen addition, raise your hand, you've seen addition, nobody ever seen addition? <laughs> None of y'all have made a deposit ever before? Okay, there we go. How many of you seen subtraction? Hello. <laughs> We're all going to God. Hello. How many of you seen division in your bank account? You know, that's not good. Um, how many of you all over the room, I want you to be completely honest, how many of you would love to see some multiplication in your bank account? That's all of us, right? Praise the Lord. Um, Robert Morris opens chapter 4. I want to read you the first sentence in chapter 4. Uh, first two sentences, actually. He says, um, have you ever wished you could multiply your money? Well, I have wonderful news for you. God is able to. To do it, which sounds exactly like the opening line to an Amway pitch. I'm, I'm going to be real with you this morning, okay? I, I read that and I thought, bro, that sounds like some kind of multi-level marketing Ponzi scheme. What kind of mm-mm are you trying to pass here? I'm serious. You can look through my, my book and, and I struggle with different things and I write it in the margins and I'm like, I don't... I don't know about that. Like, is this by Robert Morris? Is this by Bernie Madoff? I don't know. One's in jail, one's not. But I, I don't, I'm not sure about this. Like, what do you mean? Like, God can do it for you. Multiply your money. Just invest in this. And, and, and I just want to be real. Like, like, I read that and I thought, ah, I don't know about that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can go there. Like, that sounds a little bit, if, if you're familiar with church circles, uh, sometimes when I read stuff like that, I'm like, ah, that sounds a little bit too prosperity gospel, right? Like, 
you know what that is, that's cool. If you don't know what that is, that's fine too. But um, what I discovered, I was like, well, I'm, I bought the book, so I'm going to read it because I paid money for it. And that's just the way I am. Like I'll run, I'll do mud races. Like some of you I've done, I've done mud runs with before. I will pay for it and I won't buy the insurance because it will make me go do it, which then will make me work out because I'm not going to embarrass myself out in the middle of a field with a bunch of my friends. And so uh, if I buy a book, then I'm going to read it because I paid money for it and I'm not going to be a bad steward. Amen. Anyway, so I kept on re reading and I discovered I was wrong. I was totally wrong about, about what I thought just from that first sentence. And uh, to let you know, um, right, off the, right off the front or right off the, the, the top, whatever it is, we've already received the offering and we're not doing a number two, so you're good, all right? We're not trying to, I don't tell you God wants to multiply your money because I'm going to ask you to give again, okay? Just relax and, and, and let's see if the Lord... Uh, has something uh, to tell us. Last week, we started the series by talking about tithing. And it's a really straightforward message. If you missed it, you can check it out online at verticalchurch.tv. Uh, also, we just launched, we've had it for a long time, but we're moving everything that we have over to YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com slash verticalchurchtv, I believe is what it is, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Everybody has YouTube on their phone. Nobody knows what Vimeo is, so we just thought it was a better idea. And we're trying to be good stewards because YouTube is free, and Vimeo charges you like 10 bucks a month. So there you go. We're moving everything over there. Subscribe. All right, so last week we talked about tithing. I am so off the, uh, off the notes here this morning. Anyway, I talked about tithing, and I want to let you know right up front, we don't, my family does not tithe because the Old Testament law uh, commands tithing. We don't do it that way. Like, we, we do tithe out of obedience, but we tithe because what we've discovered is that it is life to us, that it brings life to our family. We don't do it begrudgingly. We don't, you know, ah, uh, oh, 10%. No, we do it with a cheerful heart, with gratitude, because we recognize, first, this is the Lord's. We don't give the tithe. We return the tithe because it's not mine. Uh, he made it real clear. The first portion belongs to me. I want you to, in obedience, give it back. And then on top of that, our family, we give over and above the 10%. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute. We call those offerings. So when we say tithes and offerings, we're talking about 10% and anything above that. All that to say, when we talk about tithing, I want you to know and understand that for, for our family, it's kind of like those hair club for men commercials back in the, back in the early uh, 80s, 90s, right? Anybody remember those? Where the guy would get up and he would say, I'm not just a member, I'm, or I'm not just the president, I'm also a member, you know, and, and I'm not going bald, but um, I'm not just a, a preacher of tithing. Like, our family does it, and we've seen God bless our lives because of it. So if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at this story that you've probably heard a dozen times before, especially if you grew up in church. Like if you grew up in church and you were a kid, you probably saw an illustrated sermon or a kid's church lesson where they had like props and maybe somebody brought in some bread and fish and, and did all kinds of stuff. So we're going to look at this story uh, that's called the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, but we know that it was more than 5,000 because, uh, side note, when it says there were 5,000 there, in Jewish culture, they only counted the men. And so there were 5,000 men because they were counting families. And so odds are, scholars say, there were probably about fifteen to 20,000 people listening to Jesus teach and preach 
in this, in, in this instance of scripture, which may have been Jesus's largest crowd ever. And so just this really cool, uh, cool story. All right, Luke chapter nine, verse 10. If you have it, that's cool. If you have a Bible, that's awesome. If you're reading from your phone, great. If you're just looking at the screen, that's wonderful too. Verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him. They withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. I heard one preacher say, God healed, or Jesus healed every person that came to it. And, and then he gave us that mission as a church to go and spread this message. And so if you need healing, I want you to understand there's healing available for you. Come to Jesus, uh, come to the Lord, ask, and he heals everyone who comes to him. Um, I can't guarantee you what that's going to look like in your life, but um, that's, that's what we believe. Also, uh, John Wimber uh, said once, uh, you know, we, we didn't pray for anybody. Nobody got healed. We started praying for people, and some people started getting healed. And so you take it with that, right? Like if we don't believe in healing, then nobody's going to get healed. But if we pray for people, some people will get healed. And that's cool. All right, here we go. Verse 12. Uh, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, he being Jesus, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. And he goes on, he says to his disciples, he says, I tell you what, have them sit down in groups of 50, about 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Would you do me a favor? Let's just, uh, before we really dive in, let's just say one more word of prayer and let, uh, let the Holy Spirit open up your heart and, your, and, and, the, and the, your mind of understanding that we may really actually receive what he has for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your word, to uh, read this uh, interesting, interesting story uh, from Luke's gospel. Lord, we thank you for Luke. We thank you for the time that he uh, put in uh, researching and writing. God, we thank you that for centuries this has been carried down, and now we have it, and we can we can hear from you through your, through your word, Lord, for it's living. It's not that we're just studying some old document. We're encountering Jesus Christ as we read your word. He is making himself known through the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we ask that our hearts would be open and ready to receive from you. Lord, if we need a, a change of mind, let, it, let, us, let us have a change of mind. If we need to renew our thinking, let our thinking be renewed, God, for we want to come in line with what you're saying in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a real familiar story. You've probably heard this time and time again. And one of the struggles with stories like this that are so familiar and so known is that it can be easy to just fly through them and not really uh, encounter uh, the Holy Spirit through the words of, of the Bible. And so one of the things I like to do is I like to put myself into the story and personalize it a little bit. I like to like imagine that I'm there with Jesus and the crowd and, and maybe I'm one of the disciples and I start thinking like, how would I think? How would I feel? What would I be? What would I see that's going on? What would I be hearing? What would my stomach be feeling after he's preached all day? Right. And so I start, I just kind of immerse myself into the story. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to just imagine that we are a disciple. 
that we're there, that we are a member of the Messiah Search Committee. And we're trying to find out if this guy who's been teaching and preaching and healing people, is he the promised Messiah. So we've left our businesses, we've left our, our, our jobs, our families. Some of us have left our families and we're traveling with this, with this candidate. And it comes Sunday morning and, and, and he's got this big high attendance weekend planned. He's going to get all of the people from the town to come and, and he's going he's to preach and it's just this huge crowd. We've never seen a crowd this big in our lives. And they've all come and, and the worship service starts and worship was lit. I mean, it was just off the hook, man. It was so good. And then, and then it ended and the video announcements were solid and we took notes and we made sure that we signed up for stuff and participated so that we could be involved in the life of the church. Amen. And so uh, we, we, we come to that and then he starts preaching and it's like, man, I've never heard anything like this before. So good. It's so good. But, you know, 12 o'clock comes and I'm getting a little hungry. <laughs> 12.30, what's he going to wrap up? I mean, this is good, but we got to eat. <laughs> I didn't eat breakfast this morning because we had to set up for church because we're having it outside. We're portable church, Jesus. All right. And so 1 o'clock comes, 2 o'clock comes. We look, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they've already beat us to Cracker Barrel, and so we're just going to let them go ahead and finish. And like, all right, Jesus, let's, let's, come on, let's wrap it up. 3 o'clock, 4 5 o'clock comes. We look over. Peter is gnawing on his sandal because he's so hungry and he's a little crazy like that. And so um, we look and he's going, you know, and we're starting, oh, man, starting to, my stomach's starting to growl a little bit. What are we going, what are we going to do? Is he going, is he going to stop? I don't know, you know? And so uh, we, we talk, we're like, hey, we need to tell Jesus the people are getting restless because he seems to care a lot about the people like he loves the people so if we go and tell him hey jesus the people seem like they're getting a little bit hungry maybe you can you know wrap this up a little bit he'll he'll cooperate and he'll 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 end the sermon so we get nominated you and i like we're going to go up and we're going to interrupt jesus in the middle of the sermon so we we come hey G -G -G jesus 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 Excuse me, you seem like you were b between points 58 and 59 there, so I just thought I could, hey, um, Jesus, the people, the people, not, Jesus, I could fast. I would fast for you right now, Jesus, but the people, maybe the people are getting a little hungry, Jesus, and, you know, we don't want them to, there's so many, they could riot if they get too hungry, because people get hangry, you know, Jesus, how that works, and, and we don't got any Snickers around, and, and maybe, Jesus, you could just, you know, wrap it up. And Jesus says, oh, the people. Yeah, the people. We're concerned about the people. And Jesus says, okay, well, if you're concerned about the people, why don't you feed them? You take care of it. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feed them. If you're so concerned about the people, you feed them. Okay, Jesus, great. All right, and so we go back to the, to the other disciples, and they're like, hey, well, what did he say? Is he going to dismiss? No. Well, what did he say? He said for us to feed what? He said for, we don't have any food. That's the whole point. We, we would have been eating it if we had it, but we ain't got it. So, so what do we do? We got to start searching around and we find this little boy who just came from Long John Silver's and he's got a happy, he's got a kid's meal. He got the two piece fish meal with extra hush puppies. Peter found him and started eating one of the hush puppies. So we only got four and a half. Peter, settle down. And so, so we get it and we're like, all right, this is all we got. Let's go to Jesus and say, Jesus, look, this is all we got. And surely 
when he sees that all we've got is this one little meal, he'll dismiss the people, and this 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 you know never-ending sermon will finally end. And so we go up to Jesus and we say, Jesus, man, that's you're, you're, this this sermon series in a day, Jesus. That's a great idea. That's awesome. I, I'm I'm so on board. I've got so many notes, but uh, look, we we looked around, and this is all the food we can find: two pieces of fish, and almost five hush puppies. Because Peter, you know, he's a little weird like that. He ate half of one. So anyway, um, maybe this is all we got. So maybe Jesus, maybe you might want to dismiss. You know, the restaurants are about to close. And, uh, and we just, we really want, we're hungry. <laughs> I'm starting to starve. And Jesus says, all right, that's cool. I understand. I'll, I'll, let's pause. And, and why don't you have the people sit down in groups of 50? Jesus, have you ever worked with people? Do you know what you just asked us to do? There are 20,000 people here. And you want us to get them to sit down? Just that in itself is going to be a miracle. And you want us to get them in groups of 50. Jesus, it would be easier to herd cats through Virginia than to get these people to sit down. But all right, it's cool. So we get everybody settled. We get them all sitting down. And we go back to Jesus. All right, Jesus, what you want us to do next? All right, well, give, me the, give me the food. And he takes the food. And he, and, he, and he looks up. And he blesses it. And he starts breaking it in half. And then he starts giving it to us. Can you imagine what you would think in that moment? I know what I would think. Jesus handed me a half a piece of fish and told me to go feed people. I'd be like, Jesus, did you bless this food? Because you might want to do it again. I'm not sure that. <laughs> did you pray over this? Because I think you might want to pray again. But he just breaks it in half and gives it to us. And he says, now go. Give it to them. And so we go up to the, the, the first row and maybe we've... Maybe we've taken our group of, you know, however many thousands of people we've organized and we've got them in 10 rows of five or maybe five rows of 10 or, or however we've done it. And we go to the first person and we're like, all right, what did Jesus do? Well, he just looked up, he blessed it, and he started breaking it. So I, I just do what Jesus did. And I break it, we, we, we break it, and we give it to the first person. Then we go to the next one and we look and, wait, I broke a hat. I broke half, so I gave half of half to them, but now I still got half. So I break it again, and I give it to the next person. We, we break it, and we get through the whole line, and we think by the time I get to the last person in this row, there's just going to be a crumb left, but we look in our hands, and we still have that half a piece of fish. And we go through every person, and every time we give half of it away, it's like it just grows in our hands. And this is the first thing of three things this morning I want you to see. The miracle did not happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. The miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples when they started giving away what was in their hands. See, what we want to do is we want to come to God and we want to say, God, I will obey your command after you do the miracle. After you do the blessing and the multiplying and, and, and God, why don't you go ahead and multiply first and then we'll pass it out? Because if I start passing out this half a piece of fish, I'm going to look like a crazy person because this is not enough to meet the need. But what Jesus shows us here is that obedience always precedes the miraculous. 
He shows us that, that, see, we want God to perform the miracle of multiplication before we are obedient in the act of distribution. But he says, no, 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 I want you to take what I have blessed and put in your hand and start giving it away and then see it multiply. So the first thing we have to understand about multiplying our money is that the miracle doesn't happen in his hands. It happens in yours. It happens when we are obedient to do what he's called us to do. But sometimes we have the attitude of, I want to make sure there's enough for me before I start giving it away. Because keep in mind, the disciples haven't eaten either. They're hungry too. So they're counting on what's in their hand to feed them. And Jesus says, before you eat this, I want you to give it away. And our, our attitude is like, I don't know if there's going to be enough left for me. Number two, the second thing I want you to see in this story is that something must be blessed before it can multiply. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Go back to the story. What if, what if when the disciples found the little boy in the Long John Silver's meal and they confiscate it, what if rather than telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, here's what we found, and they bring it to him, what if they said, hey, guys, let's just eat for ourselves? Let's not give it to Jesus because we don't know what's going to happen when we give it to him. So let's just eat and get a little bit of food so we can, you know, hold off starvation for ourselves. And what if they'd eaten the food before they gave it to Jesus? Well, they would have missed out on the miracle. They would have gotten a little bit in their stomach, but they would have missed out on the miraculous. And what many of us fail to understand is that before your, your finances can be multiplied, they first have to be blessed. And this is what we talked about last week. When we talk about blessing, we're talking about having supernatural power working in your favor, working for you. And what we said is when we give the first, the rest is blessed. The rest has supernatural power working for you. This is what Paul is describing when he's talking about uh, the, 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 the Israelites and the Jewish people in Romans chapter 11, verse 16. He says this. He says, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Meaning, if the first portion has been dedicated to God, the rest of it is consecrated for his use too, meaning blessed. If the first has been given, if the, if, if the root has been given, then the branches have been blessed. And many of us never experience multiplication in our finances because the first portion was never returned to the Lord in order for the rest to be blessed. How many times do we miss out on miracles because we've eaten the seed of our blessing? We ate the first portion instead of returning it to the Lord. And so we miss out on the multiplication blessing because the rest wasn't blessed. That's number two. Number three is this right here. Only what is given away can multiply. Only what is given away can multiply. Go back to the story. Jesus has blessed the five loaves and the two fish. So it has multiplication potential. You see that? Like he's blessed it. So it has the ability to be multiplied. But now if the disciples eat it, it's still just five loaves and two fish. It's still just, it's still just a, a, a kid's meal in their hands. But if they give it away, it becomes so much more it, it it never multiplies until it leaves their hand until they give it away then it multiplies because something has to be given away 
before it can multiply. So they might get a couple of bites of food in their stomach, but they miss out on 12 basketfuls going home with somebody. They get fed, but the crowd gets nothing. But if they will share first, if they will understand only what is given away can multiply, then they get plenty, I get plenty, and there's plenty left over. And here's, here's something that, that, that we've got to wrestle with, okay? And, and I mentioned this a second ago. Tithing does not equal giving. It's so important to understand. Tithing is returning because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. The Lord says the first portion is mine. The first fruits belong to me. So when we tithe, we are returning to God what is already rightfully his. And that blesses the rest. And then he, it's like God says, okay, you've returned the, the 10 to me. The 90 is yours to do with what you please. Lord, I love you so much. I trust you so much. I've already returned your portion. Now out of my portion, I'm going to give you some more. And he says, because you're faithful with the 90%, I'm going to multiply it. I'm going to put multiplication on it. That's what the Bible calls offerings. See, tithing is returning to the Lord his portion. Offerings is when we take some of that 90 and we say, God, I love you so much. I just want to, I want to bless you with some of this that you've let me have. That's already been blessed. It's not returning. It's actually giving it to you. And that's when we see multiplication in the area of our finances. Now, of course, if you're not tithing, that's where you begin. That's where you start, and, and, and that's, that's, that's the foundation. And you may have to work your way up to 10%, okay? I get it. I understand how budgets work, and we got to ease into this, and we got to— Some of you, though, God may just be calling you to make a clean break and just so you know what, we're going to start now, and we're going to trust God. I'm not telling you he's telling you that, okay? But maybe he is, and if he is, obey him. Um, anyway, so tithing is where we discover the blessing on the balance of our finances. That's the foundation of our generosity. But— but, but, but it's when we give over and above that that we see multiplication. Why? Because only what's blessed can be multiplied. Tithing is what blesses the rest, and only what's given away can be multiplied. Now, I want to be completely honest with you. I struggle with that. Not doing it, not believing it for myself, not that at all. I love giving to the Lord. We give, we give our tithe, and we give over and above that. And we, we are happy to sow into to the ministry of this church. We are happy to give to friends and family. We're happy to sow into other ministries. We consider that a privilege and an honor that the Lord has entrusted to us. What I struggle with is when I say that, and I know that there are poor people listening to me. And, and listen, if you had a chance to go through my book, you would, my copy of the book, not my book, I didn't write it. Um, but, but you would see, like you see these highlights and these notes and these places where I've scribbled down. And, I, and, and here's something I said. I, I said in my notes, I said the challenge I have is regarding the poor. I don't know how those who have little can give 10% and then give over and above that. I want you to understand I struggle with that. Can, can someone who's barely even making it right now really give 10%? Should they? Why in the world would God require that? And I'm, 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 I'm being dramatic for a reason because I want you to understand that is a, a heartfelt struggle for me. Because on the opposite side of that, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll write that down, and then the next thing I'll write down is, yeah, but 
I remember my own mom, and I've shared about her before, even in this series, how, how you know, my mom, my mom lived on a fixed income. She, she drew a social security check for probably the last 10 years of her life because she could not work. She had serious back issues. She walked constantly, humped over, kind of like that, and she couldn't work. She had a, she, she, she was a, she had education to be a nurse, but she tried to do that, and she could not do it. She could not physically do it. And so she, she received that from, uh, from, from my dad and from, from her work in, in, in previous years. And, 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 but yet, like, seriously, like she would make, I don't, I don't know, maybe $1,000 a month, and she would tithe. And I would say, Mom, I don't, I'm a preacher, and I don't know that you have to do that. And she would say, Son, I, you cannot outgive God. This is God's part. I'm just returning it to him. This is God's. He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of me. And I watched as he did that. Now, she never, like, had a multi-million dollar home. Sometimes she would be struggling financially, but she always had enough. And people were so kind and generous to her, and she was blessed. But then not even just personal example. I think about the widow in Scripture in Luke chapter 21 and Mark chapter 12 who gave everything she had in the offering. And Jesus said this. He said the rich gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put everything, all she had to live on. And Jesus nowhere said she ought not have done that. She ought to have had better financial sense than that. No, he commended her, and that story ended up in Scripture as an example for you and me in how we live our lives. And, and the challenge for me is that, is that my thinking gets challenged because it doesn't make sense. And that's why my prayer for you in this series is that God would challenge your thinking. Because we don't think right. We do not think God, the way God thinks Scripture says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We need to adjust our thinking. And I've been praying that happens for me, and it does when I read stuff like this. It challenges my way of thinking because I don't see how that works. And then I read Scripture, and I say, well, God, it's not about my, my ability to understand. It's about my ability to obey. So, God, I'm going to run with you and trust you to do what you said you would do. And then, and then I read this story in, in the book. Uh, from Rita Springer. Rita, Rita Springer is a, uh, is a well-known worship leader, songwriter, uh, just an anointed, anointed woman of God. And she tells this story about her kid. And I thought this would be a really great way to wrap up because, uh, because the kid and the feeding of the 5,000 and the loaves and all that. And then this story connects with it. She says this. She says, her son's name is Justice. She says, a few years ago, Justice asked me to add snacks to his lunchbox. When I asked why, because he eats a hot lunch at school, he said that he was giving all his snacks away to other kids in aftercare who were hungry. I commented as the budget patrol parent, and I said that, that I wasn't putting snacks in his lunch to feed the school. And the Holy Spirit spoke then and simply said, buy extra snacks and stuff his lunchbox full. Tell him to give away whatever he wants. So I told Justice he had permission to always give away whatever he wanted to those who needed it. The sweetest thing as a parent is to learn from your kids while being trained by the Lord to show them how to be a blessing. It's the sweetest thing to hear the excitement in my son's voice when he tells me who he was able to bless with a snack. In John 6, Jesus uses a boy's lunch to feed thousands. I love the thought, and this, this last phrase that she says is so, so powerful. I love the thought that justice is learning how to give away what he carries. What are you carrying this morning? 
What is it that you, what is it that's been entrusted into your lunchbox? Are you giving away what you carry? Can you, can you trust the Lord that there'll always be enough in your lunchbox if you give away what he's asked you to carry? Now, the interesting thing is, is, is I read that and it made me reconsider the story we just read from the boy's perspective. You know how I told you I like to try to enter in and we entered into the story as a disciple, but then I started thinking, what would it have been like to be that boy? Because he didn't give the 10%. He gave everything. He gave his whole lunch. He, he, he gave it to the Lord. But then, and I want to be, I be you know, legit, the Bible doesn't answer this question that I'm about to ask. It gives us no indication. But I wondered, as I thought about being the boy and giving my, giving my meal, and then I ate in the distribution with everybody else, you know? And so I'm not, I'm not hungry anymore. I ate, and then I started thinking, what happened to those 12 baskets of leftovers? Some scholars say that each disciple got a basket. And I'm like, I don't know about that. What are they going to do with it? They got to travel with Jesus. They're going to carry that basket around with them. And I started thinking, where would I give the 12 baskets? I'd send them home with the little boy. And I started thinking, I wonder if his mom sent him out that day. And maybe he was going to go fishing. I don't know. I'm just thinking like a little boy, you know. And he went out and he had his lunch with him. And he, he, he walks up on this huge crowd listening to this guy preach. And then the disciples come in and says, hey, the master, the master needs, you, you're the only person and all of these people has food. The master needs it. And he says, oh, okay, yeah, here, here you go. And he gives it away. And then he, he hears and, and he sits down and he eats with everybody. And then the picture that I see is this little boy walking home and his mama's at the door. And she sent him away with a little bag with five loaves of bread and two fish in it. And here he comes walking and people are helping him carry the blessing that came upon him when he gave away everything that he had to the master. And his mom's eyes get so big and she starts wondering, son, what are you doing? She says, I don't know, mom. I just went and heard this guy preach. I gave my food and now we got food for a month, mom. I don't know how it happened, but I gave away everything I had and look what happened next. It multiplied. Can you see that little boy with people walking beside him? Everybody's just carrying a basket and they're just overloaded with food. I want you to understand something. When you give away to the Lord, it's never lost. It's never lost. And there will be a day, and I don't know what it'll look like for you, and I'm not trying to hype you up and take a big offering. We're done taking offering. We're not going to do that again. I, I'm not, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to con you into anything. I don't want to, I don't want to recruit you for some, some marketing thing. I just want you to understand, when you give away all you have, the Lord is so faithful to have you walking home with 12 baskets of leftovers. But he had to do the same thing the disciples did. He had to give what was in his hands. He had to give it away. Because why? Because only what is given away can be multiplied. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for this opportunity that we've had today to come and, and, and listen to the word and, and open up and just consider this story from a couple of different perspectives. And today, Lord, uh, we, we ask, Lord, that where our thinking does not line up with your word, that you would change our thinking. Uh, we may struggle with it. I struggle with it, Lord. And, and I have to continually ask you to, to rewire my brain and to rewrite the code in, my, in my, my neural processors, God, so that I can understand and at least see the way you see. 
And so, God, as we wrap up this message today, Lord, I don't want anyone in this room to feel guilted or pressured into giving, nor do I want them to think, God, that if they give, then they're going to get some big, huge blessing. Because it's all about obedience. It really is, Lord. It's all about giving away what we carry and trusting our Father to always provide more than enough. Lord, where our thinking is in error in, in assuming lack and assuming um, that we won't have enough, challenge our way of thinking. Where our thinking is in error and assuming that if we give, we'll get way more. And, and then that becomes the motivation, change our way of thinking. Create in us a generous spirit, giving because the Father has said, give and trust me. Challenge our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, and our lives so that we can be obedient and follow you wherever you go, Jesus. We pray in your name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.